Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. I'm Oliver Dowson. Let me be your guide as to how businesses, all kinds of businesses, small and large, can grow, solve their business problems, increase their profits, and grow their value. In these podcasts, we talk to all sorts of interesting people that bring their skills, experience, and insights to all aspects of international expansion. I hope you like these podcasts. If you do, subscribe and keep listening every week. We love comments too. And do share and tell others and check out our resources on our growinternational.org website. Walking around the Going Global exhibition in November gave visitors the opportunity of talking with the representatives of many different countries. As you, our audience, know, here at Grow Through International Expansion, we're firm believers that international expansion to any country in the world can bring real benefits and, specifically, add value in different ways to many kinds of business. Every country, though, brings its own individual opportunities. Most of the countries that were exhibiting there were there, I think, simply because they're not the ones that business people naturally think of when they're considering expansion. And you probably know I love what I like to call countries off the usual business radar. So often, they can bring a company better value than the more mainstream developed countries. There's less competition, the market may be nascent and ripe for development, and it can be easier and cheaper to hire skilled and enthusiastic workers. While I was visiting the stands, I took the opportunity of recording some short conversations for our Growth Through International Expansion podcasts, asking the sorts of questions that I think an interested business person would be asking if they wanted to be convinced of the value of a country to them. So in this podcast, we're featuring four of these conversations, talking about some very different countries. I'm starting this episode with my conversation with Cindy Vido from the Seychelles. I've worked with businesses on international expansion to dozens of countries all around the world, but I confess that... Even I'd never thought of the Seychelles as anything other than a luxury tourist destination. But talking with Cindy, I found out that whilst tourism is still the basis for a lot of business opportunities there, there are plenty of other interesting options. Here's my conversation with Cindy Vida. So I'm with Cindy Vida of Invest in Seychelles. Um, Cindy, thank you for talking to me today on Growth Through International Expansion. Tell me why uh, people should invest in the Seychelles and what sort of businesses you're trying to attract there. Uh, currently in Seychelles, we position ourselves as we have four primary uh, opportunity sectors. Uh, we are leading in terms of the blue economy concept. So that is uh, the use of our marine resources. As you know, we have an extensive uh, um, EZ, and that is the use of our marine resources for all types of investment, ranging from marine research to fisheries to value addition of uh, our fisheries product. Of course, tourism remains very high on our agenda, but within the tourism sector, we are looking to expand and diversify, not just from the normal hotel um, development investments, but also adventure tourism, eco-tourism, and even um, possibly venturing into medical tourism. ICT for us is very high on the agenda. We are looking to bring in more technology and innovation um, into Seychelles. 
And for us, financial services is equally important, um, the banking and non-banking activities. That's really interesting. I don't think very many businesses would naturally think about going to the Seychelles, except in the tourism sector. Um, so looking at other areas is a matter of you know, real potential interest. Um, are there any incentives or other good reasons for going there? Well, Seychelles, we're small, obviously, in terms of the um, market size, but we do welcome uh, tourism visitors, so that also adds to, to the market. Uh, I must mention how we position ourselves is because we, have, we are very big on conservation and environmental protection, so we are looking uh, towards the investors that will have that at heart, people that are very big on sustainable development, on um, sustainable methods of uh, producing energy. Um, so we're not tourism, although we're very well known as a tourism destination, but I believe Seychelles presents quite a range of other investment opportunities, but the right demographics of investments um, and projects are equally important for us because of our, our uh, commitment to environmental protection. Absolutely, and that's obviously a really critical thing at the moment and is very high profile with the United Nations Conference coming up in Madrid as well. Correct. Um, Stacias has always been well, global leaders in terms of uh, uh, protecting the environment and remaining true to what we have in, ter in terms of our, our resources. So um, equally as we promote investment and looking to have projects we also need to also find the balance in keeping ourselves um, true to our nature and what we, what we have um, to offer. So. Cindy, thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you very much. Coming back across the Indian Ocean and walking to another nearby stand, we come to Saudi Arabia. It's not just oil, apart from all the diversification that's on the agenda there. It's a huge and growing market in its own right. Maybe the size of the country and its high profile in the news would make one think that it doesn't qualify as off the usual radar. But really, it's only in recent years that foreign companies have started to set up there, except for those, of course, in the petrochemical sector. And my guess is that most others haven't seriously considered the potential. While I was at the exhibition, I met Jim Tanner. He runs AEI Saudi and helps those foreign companies expand to and flourish in Saudi Arabia. Here's my conversation with Jim Tanner. I'm with Jim Tanner of AEI Saudi. Jim, thank you for talking to me on the Growth Through International Expansion podcast. Good to see you, Oliver. Thanks for coming by. So tell me about AEI Saudi and what it is you're doing. We're uh, the full name, Arabian Enterprise Incubators. Uh, we established the company in Saudi Arabia seven years ago. We are a Saudi company, a, a fully owned Saudi entity. Uh, we established ourselves to provide a principally a market entry service across the markets for British and foreign companies in Saudi Arabia. And they could be companies that were um, were setting out to export uh, into Saudi Arabia for the first time, or companies who, that already existed there may be looking for new paths. And our whole approach was to link them with potential uh, partners, 
uh, or uh, end-user clients uh, so that they could do business on the ground in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is very interested and active now in sort of expanding its, uh, its, its business base beyond the traditional petro, petrochemical side, right? So. Uh, you're absolutely correct and, and very serious about it. I don't think I'm patronizing uh, the Saudis when I say that. Uh, Saudi Arabia has recognized that it needs to examine its future. Uh, it's got a large population of young people and it is seeking to become a regional, if not a global, hub um, across all areas of industry. It's start, almost starting from scratch in many ways outside the petrochemical industries. But we've found that in the years that we've operated, every single market sector has expanded hugely. Our, our own principal areas tend to be in uh, health industry, uh, education and training, financial, transport. But really, you name it, the Saudis are looking to establish themselves as the, as the place to go to. And are you only looking at attracting relatively large established businesses or much smaller and newer ones? Uh, across the board, uh, from the smallest SME to the largest prime. Uh, and we have all of those. We've got a client base of over 1,200. Uh, we're actually the, um, the exclusive delivery partner for the UK's uh, Department for International Trade. But we also do that, not in an exclusive form for some other countries, but also for the state of Virginia, which is our first step into, uh, into uh, our direct attraction of American companies. Um, the, and it's grown. We knew it would be uh, good, but it is, it is beyond our expectations, the amount of business that we've done. So we've expanded to meet that demand. That's, that's great news, Jim. Um, I'm very attracted by the slogan, Saudi clients want suppliers who are committed not commuting. And I can certainly see that what you're doing is advancing that. We, we've got a, um, a number of principles that we, that we stick to and that we use as the main way we uh, provide advice. And one of those, you know, taking that strap line, is the whole matter of presence. And sometimes you talk to businessmen and their eyes glaze over a little bit and they say, yeah, everyone says that about presence. Well, unless you've got some sort of face in the kingdom, it is very difficult to get business started. There are always exceptions. Of course there are. But I would say 90, 95% of the time, unless you have somebody who can represent you, some sort of partnership, some sort of very regular face-to-face -face contact with your Saudi interlocutor, the Saudi business you're trying to work to, the partner, the distributor, the client. It's not going to go anywhere. So are we looking only at a market within Saudi Arabia or wider than that? I know that some businesses move to the Gulf thinking they're going to sell to Saudi Arabia from there. 
Can you do the reverse? Uh, yes, by, by all means. We, uh, our expertise is Saudi Arabia. We are asked constantly uh, if we work in, uh, in the other Gulf states, for example, and we don't. We've done a little bit of business, but we, we expand to meet demand. We very quickly reach capacity, so we expand some more because business in the kingdom is so big. That's really interesting, Jim. Thank you for talking to me today. Thanks, Oliver. Real pleasure. My next stop was Armenia. This is a really interesting country in a strategic location in Central Asia. It borders the Black Sea and is sandwiched between Georgia, Turkey and Azerbaijan. It's a country that's been relatively closed to outside business until quite recently. I visited there myself two years ago and foreign direct investment was really only just starting to get going then. Clearly, that situation has now moved on a long way very quickly. Armenia has really started to open up, and there are some great opportunities for FDI and business, as they found out in talking to Karina Sarkisyan. I'm with Karina Sarkisyan of Armenia here, and invest in Armenia. Thank you for talking to me today on the Growth Through International podcast. Tell us all about Armenia. I would like to invite all interested business to Armenia because uh, we have a um, very open climate for investment and we have no restrictions for foreign investment and we provide equal opportunities for foreign investment in Armenia. And uh, as a, a member of Eurasian Economic Union, we have an access to a huge market. So uh, if business interested in uh, expanding to Eurasian economic market, Armenia is the right platform for making it. And what are the sorts of companies who are going to be most interested in Armenia, do you think? We're looking for uh, efficiency-seeking FDI, and we provide various opportunities to uh, companies uh, that are interested in manufacturing or IT. And uh, we have a lot of opportunities in textile, tourism, uh, precious engineering. We have a rich history, for example, in jewelry. Uh, Winemaking sector is uh, very uh, fast-growing uh, greenhouses. So uh, we have no um, restrictions in any sector in, uh, for in foreign investment in Armenia, and we are very open to all kind of investments. Uh, but we are looking for efficiency-seeking and sustainable investment. Okay, that's great. Um, Armenia must be developing fast because I was there a couple of years ago. Not that many people visit Armenia or think about it. It's one of the countries off the usual business radar, I think I describe it as. But that doesn't make it any the less interesting. In fact, it makes it more interesting for development. How are you placed for skills? Do you have a lot of graduates and skills available to work? We have a highly educated workforce, but at the same time, it's very uh, cost-effective. We have uh, many universities in Armenia, in different sectors. From the point of view of uh, workforce, uh, business uh, will find what, what it's needed. Yeah, that's really interesting, Karina. Um, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you. 
Finally, in this episode, let's come back to Europe, and specifically Croatia. This is, in one way, perhaps another case like the Seychelles, in as far as most people only think of it as a holiday destination. But of course, it's much more than that. It's one of the most recent members of the EU. It only joined in 2013, and it's not yet in the Eurozone. And perhaps that's the reason why it's off most business people's radar. From the perspective of business and FDI, Croatia, though, offers some interesting opportunities and some incentives, as I found out in my conversation with Miljenko Jurotovac. He was at Going Global representing the countries in the northern part of Croatia, inland and away from the peak tourist destinations. Here's my conversation with Miljenko Jurotovac. My name is Jurotovac Miljenko from Croatian Chamber of Economy of uh, Bjelovar Bilogora County. But right now we are uh, on a stand of uh, five Croatian uh, counties uh, presenting themselves uh, on one uh, position. Those all uh, five countries are located on the northwest of uh, Croatian territory. So we are representing the investment opportunities uh, of our countries right here, uh, which are mostly based on uh, natural resources, on uh, domestic uh, foods, on uh, health food production, tourism. Uh, We have uh, geothermal pools and uh, geothermal energy. We have, uh, a few days ago, we have opened a geothermal uh, energy power plant of uh, 16 and half uh, megawatts. So uh, there are lots of opportunities in various fields uh, of uh, North uh, Croatia for investors. Sure. What's, what special advantages does your region of Northwest Croatia offer? Free zones uh, for investment, for uh, building uh, of uh, industrial facilities, skilled uh, labor, educated workers. So. Uh, also in the field of uh, tourism, uh, lots of opportunities uh, to build uh, hotels, facilities, uh, to use geothermal hot water. Um, and so are the sorts of businesses you're most interested in attracting ones in the tourism sector or ones in the other sectors you mentioned as well? Well, tourism sector in the continental part of Croatia, which are, uh, we are representing, is uh, on the low level scale. Uh, we, we are just uh, starting uh, to, to offer investors uh, what we have of our natural resources in the northern part of Croatia because tourism uh, on the coastline of Adriatic Sea in Croatia is already developed. Yeah, but, but, uh, in potentially overdeveloped, I would say. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, but in continental part, uh, there's lots of uh, opportunities uh, not known to the other world. Sure. which can be used uh, for uh, foreign investors. And also uh, in industry, as I told you, uh, we, we have a skilled uh, labor force and uh, uh, developed uh, industry, especially in uh, this uh, northern part, uh, wood, uh, wood industry, uh, furniture uh, production and, uh, and uh, metal processing industry. Jenko, thank you again for talking to me. Thank you also to you. Thank you. That's it for this podcast. I hope you found these conversations as interesting as I did. And you'll join me next week for our next Growth Through International Expansion podcast, where rather than talking about whole countries, 
I'll be meeting the representatives of some regions of developed countries that are jostling for our attention. Before I go, if you haven't already installed the Grow International app on your phone or tablet, please do so. You'll find all of our podcasts, our videos and our articles right there, week by week, building into a library of useful content covering all aspects of international business. And if you've got any comments or thoughts or requests, please do get in touch and let me know. I'd be glad to talk to you. Thanks for listening.